Welcome to the Inner Sauce. It's a podcast about stuff. Yeah. Saucy What's going on? How you guys doing, man? I hope you're all well. Hope you're living right. I don't know about where you're at at this particular moment in time. But it is absolutely, utterly disgusting outside. It is so gross. So I got my room as cool as I could. Let the AC just pump some nice cold air in here for a while. Uh, I can't run it while I record because it's very annoying in the audio department. So we'll see. We'll see how long this goes until I have to remove my glasses from perspiration steam. But yeah, man, how you guys doing? Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you're all uh, having a good summer. I know a lot of you moms and dads are looking forward to that back to school day. <laughs> oh, brother. No, it's, uh, you know, we're going to miss it when it's gone. And I absolutely love having them here. You know, it's um, the whole it goes fast cliche is so not a cliche. It's absolutely insane. Looking at pictures from just a couple of years ago, like, what happened? What happened? You know? But anyways, that's enough about that. I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching on the YouTube, if that's where you're at. Or any of the podcast platforms. Thank you. A sincere, big thank you goes... To the saucy trons, my patrons, I see you. I love you guys, man. Thank you for, thank you so much for the support. And I wanted to run something by you guys real quick. Actually, I was talking to my dad, who happens to listen to the show. Hi, Dad. How you doing? Keep your eyes on the road. Nice, nice job. Uh, he tends to listen when he's on a long trip to a job or something along those lines. He is in the the the, uh, the world of the sprinkles. If you walk into a building and you look up and you see those little metal umbrella looking things, you know in the movies when a fire starts and all the sprinklers go off in the building. First of all, it's not how it works. That's right. You didn't think you were going to learn anything today, but here we are. It's not how it works. Just the head, the sprinkler head, the specific little metal umbrella, if you will. Just that one next to the fire is the one that goes off. Not, you know. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I wanted to run something by you guys. I was talking to him, and he listens to the show, so he gave me a little idea... Well, he mentioned, he mentioned something that sparked an idea for me, <clears throat> basically. And I want to do, like, a review show, specifically for my patrons. It's going to be something that only goes on the Patreon page. Um, 
you guys have given me such amazing feedback on all three episodes thus far. And as I'm reading them and wanting to comment, it's like my comment would be three paragraphs long, you know? So why not just turn the camera back on and talk about it, right? I have only lived what I have lived. I have only seen what I have seen. So my perspective is my perspective. So every time we make one of these episodes about whatever topic it is, it's awesome to see all the great feedback, to hear perspectives that I don't have or that I never would have thought of, you know, stuff I have not experienced. <clears throat> and uh, for that reason, I think it'd be really neat just to take like the top 10 comments basically from all the platforms accumulatively listen i'm from maine okay listen listen i'm from maine all right it's it we it doesn't we don't do the english okay they don't they didn't learn me the english wicked good okay bub yes sir so back off back off it's a judgment this is my bubble this is a judgment free zone all right Leave me alone. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, so I want to take the top 10 comments between all the platforms and just kind of go over them and uh, just talk about it, you know, because you guys have taught me things already in just the first three episodes and shared perspective on things that, like I said, I haven't lived. Therefore, I don't think that way. So I think that'd be really neat, and I think it would be beneficial to people. Myself, for sure. To do so. So we're going to do that. We're going to start a little review show, and uh, that will be posted on the Patreon page. I'm not sure as far as a day of the week, you know. The podcast typically goes up on Patreon on Mondays. So I'd like to give you guys... And then it goes live on all the platforms and YouTube and blah, 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 blah on that Friday. So, you know, maybe the following week, like the following Wednesday, we do a, re a review show of the previous week's topic, right? I think that'd be pretty cool because you guys have given me a lot to think about in just those first three episodes. Thank you for that. Thank you for all the support, guys. Um, today... You know, I've mentioned in the past, I really have to be inspired by something to come up here and do this. It has to come natural. And I was talking to my dad about it. He said, you must have, you know, you must have some sort of bullet points. He goes, I can almost see you looking at a list. I, I should, I suppose a better man would. And I told him that that's a good idea, which it is. But no, <laughs> uh, it has been totally freestyle thus far, which is amazing. We've managed to stay on topic at all. The second one, the compromise episode, I suppose we veered off, but that's all right. You know, that's all right. So no, there aren't bullet points. And um, for this one, I probably should have made some bullet points, but I think I'm passionate enough about this, this topic 
that we're going to do all right. So yeah, I have to be inspired. It has to be something that's a recent event in my life that makes me want to dive in to a certain subject matter, right? Some of you know, some of you don't. Uh, I am a recovering addict that is that is a fact about saucy dad so i'm very comfortable saying that because of my journey and where i'm at today i have no problem saying that and in, in fact i it I don't want to say I enjoy saying that because that just doesn't sound right. But I do. I do specifically because I'm excited about... I'm excited about my ambition as of late. My ambition as of late, a lot of you guys know tomorrow, my birthday, I'm going to make my first ever donation, which is something that I want to make a monthly thing as part of the Saucy Dad platform. That's something that I really want to do. And the two worlds <clears throat> that I really want to help are housing homeless veterans because it is a ridiculous problem in this country. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check it out. Look up the numbers. It will absolutely blow you away. And it's just not, it's not right. But also the addiction world. This is what I want to talk about today. But yeah, so tomorrow we're donating to the Wounded Warrior Project and the To Write Love on Her Arms Foundation. So I'm very excited about that. I feel like it's a it's a first step. It's a popping of my charitable cherry, if you will. So I'm excited for that. It represents what I want the future of this whole thing to look like. Uh, and it's you guys that made all of it possible which is why i constantly tell you how thankful i am for the support um but yeah man so what i want to talk about today is a little bit why i'm donating to the to write love on her arms foundation and why I want to support the recovery world to begin with. So I am a recovering addict and anybody that is in that world knows you're always quote unquote in recovery. I will forever be an addict, which I, you know, I, I, str I do struggle with that. I get that it's very real. Okay. But I do struggle with that because that gives you a sense of there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no accomplishing or conquering that issue or that challenge. So while I do know that that is a very real thing, I have, you know, I'm sober now for 
We don't do math either. Okay. Listen, if you're going to, if you're here to judge, all right, you're in the wrong place. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I've been sober over a decade. Okay. I've been sober for well over a decade, which is, it's a great feeling. It's awesome to say. And I guess, you know, I'm still, again, some of you know, some of you don't, I am still very involved in the recovery world. I still attend a weekly group. Um, it is for me, but I'll be totally honest with you. The reason I'm still in it is because I have been able to help so many people already. And that's just in one group. That's just in one little, we call it a group. I don't know the terminology you're familiar with, but it's like a, a meeting, basically. It's over Zoom. Um, but it's it's pretty neat, man. There's a, a handful of <clears throat> handful of us in my specific gathering that have been together for quite a while now, three years or so. So we're, you know, we're pretty well in tune with each other. Very familiar with each other's challenges in life and problems. So, you know, it makes it, um, it makes it really beneficial because you're talking to people that really get where you're coming from because they know your story. They know your background. They know your living situation. They know your family situation, your relationship status, whatever it may be. <clears throat> we all get a lot from it because we're able to be so open with each other. So I am very involved in that still. And this is where my inspiration came from for the topic today is it's the whole thing, the whole picture is really scary to me because like many of our most crucial, most impactful professions, recovery, whatever you want to call them, counselors, therapists, recovery coaches, all the positions in that field, like teachers, just as an example, one of many, are so undervalued, underpaid, to be totally blunt, just super underpaid, overworked because they're underpaid, right? The whole thing is such a vicious circle. So I'll give you an example. All right. We had a new member join my group three weeks ago. Yesterday, we had, we had our group and we had our third different counselor since this individual has joined. Now, if this isn't something that you've experienced, whether it be a family member or whatever, whatever, if you haven't lived this in some form or another, this may not sound like a big deal to you, but I promise you it is extremely significant. 
This person is looking to turn their life around. Okay. Entered the program. They're attending their groups every week. They've been here for three weeks. Each week had a different counselor. Three weeks in a row. All right. That means every single time so far that they have done their due diligence, if you will, stayed self-disciplined enough to make that phone call and commit to engaging in the group, they've gotten nothing from it. They've gotten nothing from it. What I mean by that is every time a new counselor comes in, they don't know who you are. They don't know if you've been sober for 10 minutes or 10 years. They don't know what your situation is. They know nothing about you. So, (laughs) this person has had to tell their entire story every group they've been in so far. So, that scares me, okay? Because at over a decade of sobriety, for me, it's a mere inconvenience, right? It's a little annoying. It's like, man, I've had to say this same stuff every week for the last three weeks. But I'm going to tell you right now, If I was this new patient, this new member, when I first entered recovery, I wouldn't, my my chances of success would have plummeted. They would have been in the single digits percentile wise. Because one of the biggest things addicts struggle with is making excuses for why, making excuses for why the harder path is the right path. So we, we as in addicts, when we first enter the recovery world when we first start down that journey even if it's not the first thing you think about it's in the back of your mind as an addict it is it is present in your thought process that you are looking for the first reason to bail on the situation if you can put the blame on somebody else well, if they don't care, why would I care, right? And again, I understand if you haven't been through this, if you haven't lived it, it's going to be really hard to comprehend a lot of what I'm talking about because a lot of it from the outside absolutely seems like really easy problems, really simple yes or no answers like, well, just do this or just do that. It in a super simplified response, it just doesn't work that way. 
Addiction, regardless of the substance, all of them alter your brain chemistry. Literally alter the chemistry in which controls your impulses, your thoughts, your everything. It alters that. So in recovery, you're trying to almost retrain the way you think, the way you prioritize, all of that stuff almost starts over again, depending on how bad or how long your addiction was, that the foundation you have from before your substance abuse is either bigger or smaller, right? Depending on, like I just said, the length and um, level of usage. But regardless, it alters your brain chemistry. So I just, it, it really scares me to put myself in this new member's shoes. It, it, first of all, admitting I have a problem admitting I can't just stop if I want to stop. Secondly, finding a place to get help, going through the, um, going through the process, <clears throat> excuse me, man, going through the process of getting enrolled, sharing your whole story with five different people who ask you the same redundant questions, and then when you're finally in there, you open up for the first time, you let it all out there. You say things that you haven't even admitted to yourself yet. And you're telling it to this group of people you just met. Okay. You don't know them. You don't know them. Or maybe you do. In some cases you do, right? Because a lot of these groups, it's a bunch of people in the same area. Right? My group is all people from my area. And Maine is not a big place. <laughs> Population-wise. It is very small. Population-wise. So the chances of people knowing people are... It's almost a guarantee. You know? If you've got 20 people in a room, chances are one of you either knows somebody else in that room or you know somebody that knows that somebody. You know? So they go through these steps, they, they get enrolled, they're spilling their guts, they're really opening up, and then they listen to everybody else, and they, they, they might leave that first group either, there's a, whole, there's a whole plethora of emotions that they could possibly feel at that time. It could be, that's a waste of time, I, you know, pfft, I'm not that bad, I, I don't need this. Or they could feel like they got a lot from it and they did need it. Um, but either way, that next week comes around and they say, you know what? I'm going to give it another shot. They call back in, they do the thing again, and, and boom, it's a new face again. So now we're up to six or seven different people that have asked the same redundant questions and they're having to just say these words that don't even taste good because it's embarrassing 
you know, especially at first. It's it's absolutely embarrassing. A lot of these, a lot of our stories, you know, uh, it's not stuff to be proud of, right? So, yeah, man, it just, man, it really scares me to think about that because he, they lot, they call in, they get the the nerve to do it all again. And then boom, it's a brand new face. Going to tell their whole story. Right. And then they hang up and well, you know, maybe they're going to stick around for a while. And then the third week, the third week, they call back in. They commit They're They're three weeks in a row. Now they're, they're really trying to walk down this harder path. And again, it's a new face. Again, they have to tell their whole story. And I'm going to tell you, most people, most people, most addicts, that's all you need to walk away. That's, that is way more than enough excuse to bail and go right back to exactly where they were three weeks prior. That is way more than enough. You're almost encouraging it. What are you going to get from repeating the same exact thing and hearing the same exact thing three weeks in a row, especially your first three weeks? So this is, this is my problem. The undervalue and the underpaying of these staff and the personnel involved leads to a crazy turnover rate, which in turn leads to overworking, which leads to <laughs> more turnover because these people, you know, so my story, for example, just, just the last three years or so, when I first came to this facility, this, um, this company, if you will, this recovery company, when I first joined their program, I had the same woman for over a year. We had the same woman for over a year. We, we had maybe two members change, which is super rare. If I, any addicts that I'm talking to right now know exactly what I'm talking about. The membership turnover is crazy, right? You have people that relapse and go back to their ways. You have people that graduate and feel like they don't need to be involved anymore, which again, I totally could have been that guy a long time ago, but I just, I absolutely love the way I feel leaving that group. It's very rarely do I get off the phone, not having helped somebody very rarely. And I'm not a counselor. Right? I've said it many times. I'm not a mental health expert. I'm not a therapist. I don't know from an educational standpoint. I technically don't know anything about anything. I am strictly speaking from firsthand experience. So, my one of my major drives for what we're doing here, Saucy Fam, is... I want to get to a place where I can make some significant change 
in the addiction world. Because please believe, whether it's close to you or not, COVID, COVID was a pandemic during an existing pandemic. It gets talked about a fair amount, but it's still not enough. It's still not enough. I would be here for three hours if I dove into why addiction is such a bad problem. And we'll get into that eventually. But, you know, the, luckily, this is where uh, this is where bullet points would have come into play because I can feel myself veering. But that's all right. All this stuff needs to be said. I just... So to finish that thought, I guess. I want to get to a place where I can... I, I really... My dream... Okay? I'll just give it to you like this. My dream is to create a facility... Start with one, nail down all the kinks, and then add more locations, whatever. But I dream of a facility where an addict looking to change their lives and enter recovery can pull into one parking lot, walk into one building, and find help in all the departments that absolutely get demolished during your using. From, I'm talking about mental health, aside from addiction, mental health, which a lot of times is what led you there in the first place. Not always, but a lot of times. So mental health, I want to help people. Chances are you have family issues at that point. Chances are, you know, if you're a parent, you need help um, litigating custody things or whatever it may be, you know, educational stuff, financial education. I mean, real life stuff that isn't taught in school, period, right? Unless you go to college for it. But real life stuff that is very little... It's, it's talked about very little in the school system, period. So I just, I picture a place where they can walk in and they can just take their life back. I want them to pull into one parking lot and then leave that parking lot after a while, feeling like they made a ton of progress in a ton of areas in their life. Try to, try to make, shorten the distance and make what is a very squiggly line from addiction to sobriety. I want to make that line as straight as possible and as short as possible. I hope that makes sense. Because one of the challenges I found when I entered recovery was just that. It was how many different places I needed to call and enroll in and all these different phone numbers and all the driving around. And I'm sorry, but most of us didn't have a way to drive around at that point because we probably sold it. 
Not even trying to be funny. It's just the truth of the matter. We probably sold it. At the very least, we probably didn't have gas money. <laughs> right? Help with finding a job. Help with building a resume. That is something that I was so fortunate to have in my family was people that run businesses, people that have been very successful in business. So I could just turn to family members that could help me build a very powerful resume and do all these things that I just feel like should be in one roof, should be under one roof. So that's my dream as far as the facility that I want to create someday when we get to a place where that is possible. I want to start with one. I want to really perfect the process and see what works and what doesn't. And then I want to spread that as far and wide as I possibly can. Because what I was getting at is there was a pandemic long before COVID. You best, addiction is a, it's a pandemic. Alcohol is still, it's still celebrated. It's still encouraged. It's still made the light of. When I have people in my family to this day that, man, it's just, it's sad, you know? It's really sad because I know what it's like. I know what it's like, so I feel the pain. I literally feel it. I just want them to find that light. I just want them to find whatever it is that will flip that little switch that says, you don't have to live like that. Like you can go back to the light. You don't have to stay in this place. It, you don't have to submit to whatever substance it is that you submit to. You don't. You are so much better than that. Life is so much more valuable than that. I talk about it all the time where life is so short. It's so short in the grand scheme of things. We don't know what comes after. There's plenty of theories. There's plenty of hopes and beliefs. But we nobody knows. We don't know. If you say you do, you're lying. We don't know what comes after. So you have to absolutely maximize today. Whatever it is that you're waiting to do until tomorrow, do it now. Do it now. My, my addicts of the saucy fam, do it now. Get your life back now. Don't wait. To hell with the embarrassment and the shame of admitting it. Who cares? This is your life. It's not your daughter or son's life. It's not your mom or dad's life. It's not your grandparents. It's yours. You. You. Nobody was born next to you. Nobody's going to be buried next to you either. You have to take control of you. 
I didn't know that for a really long time. I, di- I didn't know that for a really long time. And to s- kind of circle back here. The pandemic before the pandemic is still a pandemic. You know, one of the things I wanted to say was, luckily, my family members, they refused to take it. So, I should probably mention, my substance was painkillers, opiates, opioids, as they are known. That was my, that was my drug. Um, luckily, because of my struggle and my journey, I now have, I, I don't even know, to be totally honest, I don't know how many lives I've changed because my family tells their friends and family, their friends and family tell their friends and family, all stemming from what I went through. So I have no idea how many people rejected pain medication because of what I what I went through because of my addiction. I don't even know, but I, I've seen it firsthand. My, I've seen my grandparents. I've seen my parents, my, all kinds of people refuse the stuff and then come back and tell me, Nick, you wouldn't believe how badly they wanted me to take it. Like how badly they wanted to give me whatever it might be. Percocet, Vicodin, Oxy, cotton, whatever it might be. It's an epidemic. Yeah, like I said, this is a whole different podcast, but the pharmacy, the whole pharmacy deal, big pharma. (laughs) It's just, man, oh man, it is not, not great. (laughs) It's not great. Um, but you know, as long as they have the power that they have, this is going to be an issue. This is going to be a big issue. And people have to know that once you fall in that trap, you don't have to die there. You don't have to die there. I really, you know, if there's any addicts listening right now that are still using, I dare you, I dare you to just I get that in-person meetings can be kind of overwhelming and intimidating. I get that. One thing that COVID brought to this world that I don't think is a bad thing is the influx in usage of Zoom or FaceTime type meetings. I think that's a great thing. It's all about convenience. It's all about accessibility. Right? So you can find a... you can find a group where you don't have to go anywhere. You can go in your bedroom, close the door and make a phone call. And you can take your first step that way. But if you're still using and you're, you just, you, you have a sense of having given up. I dare you to just make that phone call. Just make that phone call And just listen, just listen for the first time. Just listen, just listen to everybody else's stories. And I, I guarantee you, 
you're going to hear a lot of things very similar to what you are going through and have gone through. It doesn't matter. I'll, you know, there's so many cliches and that's part of the problem, but so many of them are very true. They're said over and over again for a reason because they hold weight. There, there's a lot of truth to them. That first step is, it's hard for a lot of reasons. But I'm going to tell you, man, it only gets easier. Again, cliche I know, but it is so true. Not only does it get easier, it gets so much more rewarding. So much more rewarding and satisfact satisfactory. Satis I don't do English. Get off my back. You're going to get a lot from it, is my point. Um, yeah. So I don't, you know, a lot of these... That That's... <laughs> a lot of these topics, I have an issue and an answer. This one I don't. Kind of like the episode three. I don't know how without me winning the lottery and building a facility tomorrow, I don't know how we fix this issue, right? Teachers have been underpaid forever. And they're raising our kids for 10 months out of the year. They're, they are forming these future generations and they're severely underpaid. So what, you know, what chance does a, a field that is as voodoo and shame riddled as addiction, what chance does that field stand? You know, people that have a passion for helping people find their way back to the light. How do we, how do we fix that? How do we get to a place where there's more money for them to be, to make. Like, I'll be totally honest with you that the place that I'm involved with, the business model is awful. The business model is making, it's just, it's just like every other business. It's making a few people very wealthy and the success of the patients is not even a concern. It's just not. It's all about collecting their money and, you know, all the endorsements from the state that they get for being the kind of facility that they are. There has, there just has to be a way to incentivize, in, oh my goodness, this is bad even for me. There has to be a way to incentivize people that are passionate about this world, this recovery world, to get involved and help. I have, I looked up all the information I need to get certified as a counselor because that's something that I want to do. But what's crazy is I, that couldn't be my job. 
It couldn't be my, it would, I wouldn't be able to afford to pay my bills. Not with three kids. It couldn't be my job. Helping people that are otherwise oftentimes going to lose their lives or at the very least live a terrible quality of life until they do end up passing away. There is absolutely it. You helping them isn't a lucrative profession. And I don't, you know, I'm not saying that they should get rich, but they should, you know, I know how many jobs can you think of off the top of your head that pay more than teaching and what I'm talking about right now, counseling, therapists, recovery coaches, whatever it might be. I don't know. I don't know. I I know that there's a whole lot of jobs out there that are, uh, let's just say not quite as important to society that make a ton more money than these people saving people's lives. You know, it goes for our emergency services as well. I had a long discussion with the, the newest counselor in this place that I'm involved with. Her last venture was she was a part of a couple other people that tried to start something different than what I'm talking about wanting to start, but they actually did it. They started a service where sponsors, which if you're not familiar with what a sponsor is, a sponsor is somebody who has been through recovery, has a significant amount of sobriety under their belt, and they sponsor addicts that are either brand new or in recovery that still have a really strong temptation to use. So a sponsor is somebody that that addict, when they have a trigger, a trigger is something that happens in life that makes you go, makes you want to go right back to using, right? When they have a trigger, they call their sponsor. The sponsor then talks them through it. All hours of the day, their phones are on. These people don't get paid anything. That this is just something they do out of the goodness of their heart. So she started, her and these other people started this business where sponsors, they had a bunch of sponsors on their directory, uh, on their Rolodex, if you will. And then, I, I don't remember the other details, but basically, like if, um, if 911 got called for an overdose, the officer that was responding to the call would notify whatever sponsor was in that area. So they had, okay. So they had sponsors and then they also had, um, case management type personnel. So a sponsor would go and then a case management person would go just to, to see what they could do in the moment, you know? depending on how bad the overdose was, what can the case management person help the 
family that is still there? What can they help them with? What can the sponsor help? You know, how can the sponsor help? Can the sponsor help the person that did overdose? Um, they were trying to get Narcan into every officer and EMT's hands, which most of them have it, but I have a bunch of it. You just never know. You see it all the time now. Narcan, for those of you that don't know, is it's like a it's like a preloaded syringe that you would stick somebody with that was overdosing and it counteracts the um, whatever it is that they're overdosing on. <clears throat> so I have a bunch of it. I pick some of it up almost every month because it expires and stuff, but I always make sure I have it in whatever vehicles that are in the driveway. We have some in the house. You just never know. You never know. And I don't even have anybody close to me that's using or anything like that, but you see it all the time. All the time. Going to Walmart, going to the gas station, going anywhere. I don't know how many times I've seen somebody ODing. And the the window the window of time you have to respond to that and do something about it before real damage is done is very small. In most cases. So she tried to her and these people created this business. It's not it wasn't even a business. <laughs> That's the crazy part. It wasn't even a business. It was just they wanted to implement these things to help. But she said it just it nobody knew about it. Nobody knew about it. She said it actually still exists. And when she asked the group about it, not one person knew what she was talking about. And she just kind of put her face in her palm and chuckled and she said, "Well, so that's why I'm here, guys." And she laughed and she said, "We just nobody wants to help spread the word. Nobody nobody could share the information <clears throat> far or wide enough to make any difference. Cuz it, you know, it takes all parties. It takes officers taking that second to make that phone call. But I I think to me, like anything else, when I think about how to make something like that work, right? To me, it has to be convenient. It's all about convenience. You have to come up with some sort of system where the cop, when it's an overdose that he is responding to, he can just press a button in his cruiser that pages whoever it is at this woman's facility to then dispatch or get in touch with whoever they want at this scene. Same thing with, with an ambulance or, you know, EMTs. They, anybody, volunteers even. I just feel like there needs to be a convenient way for them to send out that information. Um, that's the only thing that makes any sense. You can't have a cop that's doing 150 down a 30 mile an hour road to get to somebody before they die. Having to remember to make a phone call to somebody's sponsor, right? So it needs to be a convenient dis dispersal of information. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know how we fix. How do we fix this? I. It's just scary to me, man, because 
the whole point of why I brought this up today is, you know, here's this guy that is now three weeks in a row, had three different counselors, and the last two both said the same thing. They're going to be here until we're sick of them. You don't have to worry about me. I'm going to be here until you're sick of me. The very next week, we have a new person saying the same thing. Literally, seven days later. It's not a problem for me. It's annoying, but it's not a problem for my sobriety. It doesn't put me at risk. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm in the minority. I am the minority when it comes to that. Here's this guy that's on week three, three different counselors. This past week, he lost his dog of 13 years. It was just him and his dog. I have been through that also. That is a pain that I have never felt in my entire life. It still hurts me today. And he's been gone for years. Literally makes me want to cry just thinking about him. Like, that's something that's really hard to do. When you're brand new in sobriety and that happens, and you're dealing with all this, you know, you can't find any stability in the the place that you're looking for stability... I don't, I just don't know. The success rate of addicts trying to enter recovery, dealing with all of that stuff, it's not going to be very high. The chances of, you know, I, I made it a, a point to kind of, as soon as the counselor was done talking, before he could get off, I jumped on. And I just kind of talked to him, you know, I just had a little conversation with him. Just, I always try to find some relatability and right away with him losing his dog, we had that in common. And I just, I didn't try to, I didn't try to console him. That's one mistake a lot of people make trying to help addicts. I didn't try to console him. I just said, I am so sorry. There is absolutely no pain like that in the world. There is no loyalty that matches the loyalty of your your little four-legged buddy. And I'm just like I'm just so sorry you're going through that. And I gave him my number and I said, "Look, man, I, you know, you don't know me for, through a hole in the wall. You don't know me from a hole in the wall. If you if you ever want to reach out, here's my number. I don't care what it's for. I'm not going to tell anybody else whatever it is you're calling me about give me a call there's just such a when there's this big of a lack in incentivizing the ones who are responsible by choice they take on these professions they apply for these jobs and then they get these jobs so this is what they're getting paid to do how however little it might be they are getting paid to do these jobs there's such a lack in follow-through there's such a lack of effort just just to to simplify it there's just a lack of effort from people in those positions. And again, it's hard to blame them. It's hard to blame them because 
if you can afford to live off it and you do decide to stick it out, it's only going to be a matter of a month before a bunch of other people in your position quit and you have to take on their workload. So then you're working all the time and it's not a, it's not a, it's not an easy job. You know, that should definitely be said also. It's not an easy job. Nothing relations wise is easy. This is super mentally taxing on people that take on this position. Most of them are like myself that have been through addiction and have been so sober for a long time. But, you know, when you go from helping or being the counselor for, let's say, 27, let's say 30 people a week. Okay, that's what you come in at. You meet them all. You make these relationships and connections. You have genuine concern whenever they tell you how their previous week was. When that 30 people then turns into 60 or 90 and you're having a hard time paying for the bills because of the job you have, I mean, who's going to stay? Who's going to stay? You can't. <laughs> no matter how bad you want to change, no matter how bad you want to influence change and help, you have to live. You have to take care of you and your family. It's just not an option. So many people that would be in this field, great, absolutely amazing people that would be some of the best counselors that have ever stepped foot into this realm. It's not an option for them because it, they, the amount of time that they invest and what they receive back for it, they can't live off of it. It's not an option. Just like teaching isn't an option for a lot of people that really want to be teachers. That's super messed up. That To be just blunt, it is just super messed up. The most impactful, important professions in our society are just the most undervalued and underpaid. Why? Why? I just don't get it. I just don't get it. You know, my, I told you guys earlier, my first, well, at this place, the first counselor I had here when I first joined this, this group, we had her for over a year. We got super close to the point where we were texting outside of our hour together, talking on a regular basis. She had genuine relationships and concern for all of her patients. Well, not patients. I, that's just my... It's a habit to use that word. All of her members, she had genuine relationships and concern for. And I gotta tell when she left, like, like I said, it wasn't even a threat to my sobriety, but we lost half of our half of the members in my specific group were gone the next week. Gone. Gone. 
it's, you know, I've told you guys so many times, I am beyond blessed and fortunate to have the family that I have, to have the people in my life that I have. It's very, it's, it's more rare than anything else. So the majority of these people don't have that. So when you take, when they finally find some stability and something to hang their hat on and something to lean on when things get hard and you slide it out from under them, they're going to fall right back in that pile of crap that they just climbed out of. I don't know. Um, I'm anxious to see you guys' thoughts on this and your feedback because I do know that addiction is very close to a lot of my patrons and other supporters. Like I said, it's a it's a pandemic. It's not one that we want to talk about, right? But it's a pandemic. It's uh, the... There's just so much that goes into it. There's so much that goes into it. As far as, you know, like me, for example, nobody in my family had had addiction in their history. There was no history of addiction in my family at all. At least not admittedly so. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. At least not admittedly so. So when I came out, and admitted that and said, hey guys, just letting you know, I'm not going to be available for a few days. I'm going to check myself into a hospital and I'm going to get help. I need help. I'm done pretending like I don't. I've made some really bad choices, really bad decisions, and I'm just not, I'm not me anymore. And I want to be me again. For one, I'm blessed to even have had the ability to have that thought and that presence of mind by for most people, by the time they get to where I was at and the level of usage that I was at, that is long gone. That is long gone. I see, I still see and hear stories about the people that I was hanging out with that are right where I was all those years ago, still to this day. So I am very fortunate and thankful that I had that, presence of mind and thought process still had my wits about me somewhere in there behind all the fog and clouds. But that was a really hard moment to make those phone calls and just, you know, I know that all these people know, I know they know, you know, but it's never been said before. And then some of them pretended like they didn't know and were really just really ashamed and really disappointed, obviously, rightfully so. But it's it's so hard. It's so hard. And then if you take that away, if somebody doesn't have that at all, they're looking for that. That's part of what they're searching for, something to lean on just, just something, just a little bit of stability to rely on while they fight this battle. They need that. So it terrifies me to see that the level of turnover in this field 
when that is such a huge cause of people relapsing and going right back to where they were and oftentimes giving up on finding that light and working towards sobriety and getting their life back. There's so many hurdles. There's so many, there's just so many moving parts to the whole thing that it's super easy to give up. It is super easy to give up and just walk away from the whole thing and go right back to using and just, you know, whatever. I tried and it didn't work out. So I really want to make it as convenient as possible for people, but I, I also want to find a reason why they're so underpaid and undervalued and how we can fix that. How do we incentivize people to want to get into this field as a profession and really give it their all and build these relationships and genuinely save lives? I was very fortunate. I happened to find this little older woman that had a private practice when I first got out of rehab all those years ago. She saved my life. She 100% saved my life. Because there was a lot of years, okay? There was a lot of years where I admitted it. I went to rehab. I got help. Three years goes by, four years goes by. And then when you get drilled from loved ones on those same, you know, are you still using, are you still using, are you, are you doing that crap again, blah, blah, blah. You can only hear that a certain amount of times where you, until you think, whatever, I might as well because everybody thinks I am. So why not just go back to it? So be super careful when you're making comments like that to people that are going through addiction, recovery, or they're in that process. Be super careful. It's a, it's a kid glove situation all the way. I don't know. It just scares me, guys, because um, I, I just want people to know, people that feel as lost as I once did, I want them to know that it doesn't have to be like that. There is a light. There is such a better life for you. You just have to go through some crap to get there. And you're going to go through the crap either way, by the way. So do you want to go through the crap and end up right where you're standing right now? Or do you want to go through the crap and end up standing with your life back in your control? And your future in your control? I don't care who you are, how old you are, what it is, what your problems are. It is doable. It is You can do that. You can do that. Nobody can make you do it. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people enter these programs because they were court appointed to or family made them do it, blah, blah, blah. That never works. That, that is a guaranteed failure. 99.99999% of the time, that's a guaranteed failure. You, like I said earlier, you have to want it for you. 
It sounds insensitive. It sounds maybe bad to you, but you can't, it can't be because of your kids. It can't be your son or daughter or your mom or dad or your wife or husband. It, it, you, this is your life. You. It's so hard for some people to wrap their heads around, but this is for you. And then guess what? If you can fix that, if you can just just dive into that pile of crap and work it out, you're going to be so much better for those kids, that son and daughter, that mom and dad, those grandparents, that family, the wife, the husband. They're, you're going to be such a better you for them. But you gotta do you first. You gotta, you gotta do it. It's hard. It sucks. It's embarrassing. But it's short-lived. In the grand scheme of things, it is short-lived. It is short-lived. So just do it, man. Just do it. I feel like. Um, This topic has a lot more to be said. There's a lot more to go through on this, but you know, we're at an hour and 10 minutes already. So I'm going to let you guys go and think about it. And I really want some feedback, man. Um, I think we're going to do a review show on last week's episode about, um, the, I don't even remember what I titled it. What's a dad to do? Episode three. I want to do a review show on that because a lot of you guys shared some amazing feedback. I really learned a lot from you guys in those comment sections. And I also feel like those are just, there's just a lot that needs to be said because things have changed. That's all I'm going to say. Things have changed as far as what an 11 and a 12 year old girl knows today and actually comprehends and understands what there's it has changed <laughs> you would be blown away but yeah man as far as this whole uh addiction recovery counselor topic goes let me know your thoughts let me know you know share your stories if you're comfortable doing so, you know, I don't want you to put anybody's business on blast that doesn't want you to do so. So don't do that. Um, give me your feedback. And also, you know, this one specifically, but at any of these episodes, if there's something, a part of this topic that you would like me to talk about more I would love to do that so let me know you know if it's something that I just briefly touched on or whatever and I didn't elaborate enough whatever it is let me know and I'd love to elaborate on it I'd love to go further and deeper into whatever part of this you're curious or wanting to know because th this is one like I said the pandemic before the pandemic this there is so many moving parts 
this affects this affects an individual's entire life from their physical makeup to their literally the chemistry in their brain to relationships loved ones health it changes everything <clears throat> it changes everything and don't I'm just going to leave you with this. Okay. If you have an addict in your life and it's not something you've ever experienced or gone through and you just don't understand, you're saying to yourself, grow up. Just, just stop doing it. Just don't buy the stuff. Just stop. They can't. They can, technically, but they can't. They lost that part of their brain that allows them to make that decision. It's not black and white anymore for them like it is for you. So you really need to understand that. They need help. They need help, and you have to be really careful about how you do that, too. Super easy to push an addict that is deep into it to the other end where they go from agreeing and seeking out help to permanently abandoning that thought forever because of how it was presented to them and just going deeper into whatever it is they're into, which is very scary. You know, I've been, like I said, sober for over a decade and it's changed a whole lot from just when I was using. This, <laughs> oh boy. There's just so much to talk about. I, I do think this warrants probably a few more episodes. Um, you know, they found a, an apartment in Massachusetts not long ago that had... I don't remember, 20, it was either 20 or 200 pounds of fentanyl. Like millions of dollars of fentanyl. You, you can't make that unless, unless you're a pharmaceutical company producing it and then maybe selling it to somebody out of the back of the building. My point is they're putting it on the streets. Fentanyl is extremely lethal. And they're putting it in literally everything. All the street drugs. They're putting it in everything. These people take half of what they normally take and die. So don't don't give me it's all a choice. Okay? Because everybody has their road. Everybody has their path. Everybody has things that lead them to a certain decision one way or another. I know so many people. Some of the worst addiction stories I've ever heard were people that had a really severe injury. Given a lot of pain medication. And then taken off of it. 
at like that. It, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Ask anybody that's been on opioids and ask them how they felt when they tried to just stop. I've told you, Saucy Mom and I both come from the same thing, right? And it, you know, we're very proud of the fact that we made it through it together and are still together. We walked into the fire holding hands and we walked out of the fire holding hands. That is very rare. And it is something we're very proud of. But her story is totally different than mine. Mine stemmed from a lot of self-doubt, a lot of shame on my of myself, a lot of just a lot of deep-seated things. She had cancer when she was 18. Or no, she had, it was early, she was 16 or 17. She had to have an amputation done when she was 18 to get rid of it. But they had her they had her on an insane amount of oxys. And then one she went back for a an appointment one month after had after being on them for two years or whatever, she went back for an appointment one month and it was they just took her off it. Oh, you don't need it anymore. What do you think's gonna happen to that person? They offer absolutely no advice. They offer no um, roadway or path to what that next week, two, three weeks is gonna look like. It's just scary, man. And I think that's, you know, now I'm starting to get into stuff for a different day. We've been going for quite a long time. I'm sorry. But uh, this this one's really close to home for me, obviously. And I just see so many issues with the way that it's handled today that it's really scary for me to think about the success rate of people getting looking for recovery right now you know if that guy didn't ha totally by chance happen to join a group that had members like myself and some other vets if you will if he happened to be in a group with a bunch of other people that were new to sobriety or new to recovery you know him losing his dog or the second time there was a new counselor or a million things could have Boom, changed his, and this is, he's a remarkable guy. Super smart, super well-spoken, really polite, really clean, just a really, looks like a great person. You can tell he has a very genuine heart about him. Just a really good guy. And if he didn't happen to join a group with a bunch of vets that wouldn't let him quit, or kind of called out, the problems that he was seeing without him having to internalize them and make it something bigger. Cause that's what we do as addicts. We assume nobody thinks the way we do and nobody sees it like we do. So we're broken and we're just going to keep it to ourselves and <laughs> let it fuel our X amount of days of rage moving forward. But you know, he, he could totally not be with us today. 
absolutely could not be with us. He might not be with us today under different circumstances if he was put with a different group of people. That's scary to me, man, because he's one person. I don't know how many people are entering recovery every day, but it's a lot. And it's still not as many as it should be, but it's a lot. And if all these people are experiencing stuff like this, what are the chances of them actually finding sobriety and getting their life back? Scares me. For them. It really does. I I would not be here today talking to you about this. I would not have made it through this stuff if... Uh, if I had to endure a lot of the stuff these people that are trying to take their life back are having to endure. So again, guys, thank you all of you so much for listening. Thank you for engaging in the comments. Thank you for sharing it, whatever it is that you guys do to support. I really, truly thank you all for doing so. It means everything to me. Um, saucy fam you guys are amazing if you guys are hearing this on a podcast platform come check us out on youtube man we have a lot of fun reacting to music and doing whatever it is we're doing it's just an amazing community of amazing people and i'm really proud to be part of it um yeah so again these episodes are posted on the Patreon before they go live anywhere else. The Patreon is also where the review shows will be posted. If you're interested in joining the Patreon page, you can find the link. It's either, I have it all over the place, so you wouldn't have to look very hard. Go to one of my YouTube videos, go in the description. There's a link tree there with all my links, Patreon being one of them. Um, or just go to patreon.com slash saucydad. Saucy with an E-Y, because I have to be difficult. And uh, check us out, man. I'll see you guys there. I love you guys. Thank you for hanging out. Let me know your feedback. I can't wait to read some comments. And um, the review show for this one should be really good, I think. So, anywho, you guys have a great rest of the day. Have a great rest of the week. I'll see you guys in... or talk to you guys rather in the next episode this has been the inner sauce with saucy dad take care of yourselves guys take care of each other stay safe out there saucy fam peace out